Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times of ours. And in today's episode, we have a tour de force. She is small in stature, but mighty nonetheless. Her name is Lena Vincent Gavin. And she's actually the co-director, along with her husband, of School of Love, which is under the High Noon umbrella. And they help parents have rewarding, fruitful conversations about sex with their kids. It's like, why not? Oh yeah, because we're just used to being stricken with terror. That's why as parents. But Lena has her own story about growing up and regarding purity and how she kind of was able to navigate dating and all these difficult things that come with adolescence. And it's very insightful. She's always bright and bubbly and warm. And in this episode, Karina is interviewing her. So it's just a lovely... It's like a bouquet of roses, this podcast. Normally, it's just a bunch of stinky dudes, but today, it's like potpourri. It's just beautiful flowers that smell great. So please enjoy Karina interviewing Lena Vincent Gavin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another High Noon podcast, Love, Life, and Legacy. Today, we have an incredible guest with us and is Lina from the director of School of Love, High Noon Families. And yeah, today we're going to learn more about her and her journey. And I want to let her introduce herself a little bit. I think, I don't know if you know, but she already did a podcast episode with Sami Uyama and her husband, Jerio. If anyone or no one knows you, like maybe they haven't heard the other podcast, what they should know about you, Lina? Yeah, hey, Karina. Thanks for having me on High Noon. So I'm Lena Vincent Gavin. I live in Mobile, Alabama. I'm married to Jerio. We have two kids. They are now nine and six. We've been blessed in marriage for almost 14 years this summer. And yeah, really happy to and honored to be a part of High Noon through specifically also School of Love, the project creating absence education. <laughs> We might share a little bit about that today. So I think today, sharing about my own journey with purity and everything, it's just really goes so well together with what we've been able to do in School of Love. So you'll kind of get a little bit more of the backstory and my own personal experiences and maybe why we got into this too. But yeah, I think that's it. I like turquoise. I've always liked palm trees a lot, and but I never like even saw them in real life. And then we <laughs> moved down here to the coast, so South Alabama, and now we have palm trees, one of in front of our house so wow. <laughs> just a ra- random fact yeah happy to be here funny fact as well in my house back in, in Uruguay we have two palms on the front of the house so <laughs> and it's yeah. not in a tropical country but yeah love it great I think it's gonna be a great episode and seeing from Lina has been done many webinars and content preparation for parents about purity but all that content is based on her own journey experience and studies as well it's gonna be great to know about you and why this topic is so important for you and why you wanted to know I don't know if the roosters can be the roosters I'm so sorry about that Ah, there are roosters around here, so <laughs> you may hear sometimes, but yeah. 
So yes, today we the idea is to talk about purity and there's like three phases of purity, if I'm not wrong, when you're a single person, when you're married, and then raising your kids. So it mm -hmm. is incredible that you have and you went through and you're going through all of those experiences, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah, maybe we can start as a, when you grow up. What is your story about purity? How you felt about it and yeah, what was your journey? Yeah, thank you. It's interesting how you put it to think about the three stages because it's true. Purity is not just until marriage. It's actually an ongoing lifestyle. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll start at the beginning. I mean, yeah, for me growing up, honestly, like the value of purity, it was a really big part of my faith for me too. And something that I appreciated about our faith community growing up that we valued and promoted purity is a really big part of my life. Because obviously growing up, you know, especially as your hormones kick in and, you know, you start to have crushes and like people, it's just, it's such a big part of your world, like those feelings and just your peers and everyone starting to date and all of that. So it's like, it's a pretty big decision. And I can't imagine, honestly, in today's world, <laughs> trying to also make that kind of decision because there's even more temptations out there and social media and phones and So when I was growing up, I had no phone. I got a phone when I was 19, I think, after STF Europe experience. And so anyway, just some perspective, it was a little different back then. <laughs> wow. Um, Talking about that, how old are you? When I got my phone, I think I was 19. No, I mean now. Oh, yeah. I'm 34 now. Wow. <laughs> hey, that might look so young. long. <laughs> Yeah, it's not that long ago, but yes. So just a different world a little bit, but still, you know, we still face, had the same temptations in many ways. So for me growing up, I would say around sixth grade and junior high, you know, I started to have really strong feelings for people. Of course, I had crushes before that, but, you know, and the temptation to act on it more in junior high and just... Yeah, there was just naturally like some flirting or things like that. What was hard for me in junior high was I didn't honestly really have my own reason to want to be pure. It was more like if someone asked me, I would say, oh, I'm not allowed to or like make up an excuse or blame it on my parents or so it, at that harder for me to face temptations and face guys and say no. And that was a harder time. And then I actually went to this program called GOP in Korea for one year. I went a little older than usually people go in junior high. I went my freshman year. But for me, that was the year where actually I really spent time to work on my faith, to seek out God and my relationship with Him. And also purity, I really wanted to kind of make it my own reasoning. And I was able to do that during that year, which was very life-changing for me. And I'm trying to think of how I did it or what I did, but I remember, you know, doing different conditions and praying and things and working on my own relationship with God, but also but actually things you might not think about. I remember reading like some fun little fairy tale book with, you know, the girls like Ella Enchanted or something. I think it was a movie too, which is like a rom-com, but it kind of made me look forward to it. And then I do remember reading other books 
back in the day from Joshua Harris where I could say goodbye, stuff like that. It was neat to hear just a different perspective of someone waiting. Anyway, so basically then when I came back to the U.S. and I went to high school, I was a sophomore. I missed freshman year. But and that year was kind of an adjustment time. But then junior and senior year of high school were just awesome. And I loved it. And honestly, it's because I was able to really kind of figure out who I am, what I stand for, both in my faith, but also my own morals, my boundaries. And what was really liberating is I was able to be one person everywhere I went. Like I felt like the same person at home, at school, at church. I didn't feel like I had to hide something or like be something I'm not or pretend or I was really able to just be me and be proud of that. And once I really made that choice for myself, like I want to stay pure, I want to save myself for my future spouse, it made it easier. Guys ask me out or things to say no. Not always, it's still a little hard. And then after a while, you just say no to everyone. People kind of get it and respect you and (laughs) And another big thing that helped me was besides finding my reason was finding the right group of friends, the right environments. I learned that in junior high one time because I remember going to a party that I didn't know what kind of party it would be. There wasn't even drinking or anything at the time. But anyway, and I remember feeling so uncomfortable not knowing what to do. I didn't have a phone. I couldn't text my mom or something, pick me up like So anyway, in high school, when I was able to find a group of friends that had similar beliefs, like it was this Christian youth group, I went to public school, but I hung out with the Christian youth group. We'd do like prayer group together. We would Saturday night do youth group. And it was really great to just be surrounded with other people who were aspiring their relationship with God. And we could really just be friends between boys and girls. It was really like a friend thing. And my parents were able to trust me and trust my friends. And I was a lot, I had friends that were boys and girls, but it was like just so different because I knew I would be safe. And so I feel a big part of being able to appear in high school too is one, the reason to choosing the right friends in the right environment, safe environments I felt comfortable in and supported in and could have friends in. Yeah, those are some things. I don't know if you have any questions, but that I think of leading up to or during my teenage years. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's so great that you were able to find a group of friends that they were able to align with your values. My question is like, it was always a way like before that, how you, do you ever felt like pressure from peers about like, oh, she did be girl or like, why don't you have a boyfriend or things like that? Yeah, I remember the thing I hated the most is people would sometimes call me, what do you call it? Prude, right? Oh, you're such a prude. And I hated it so much. And it's funny because people assume that people who are choosing purity are like these holy, innocent I don't know, beings that never think about anything. But honestly, I I thought about boys a lot. And I think I had a pretty high drive, I guess. So I remember being like offended by that because I'd be like, no, it's not that I don't want to do things or I don't know, be with someone, but it's that I'm choosing to save that. I remember one time when someone asked me to school dance, it was their senior prom and I was a junior. It's funny because I wrote him like a long letter about 
why I won't go to this dance with you, which is so funny looking back, but I felt that's what I need to do. And I was like, I'm saving, you know, anyway, it's so funny, but I think because I felt bad to say no. But then honestly, like my senior year, I went to prom with a friend and it was fine. It's just like different stages of life and where you're at, like earlier in high school, maybe I wouldn't have been able to do that. But like by that time, I we just had a good time, a group of friends, and it was very like comfortable. And just as a friend, it wasn't anything, you know, sexual or anything like that. So anyway, I can't remember your question now, but. <laughs> no, no, it was exactly that. If you have ever experienced some peer pressure questions, I can come Oh, for questions. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one other thing that helped me, because I remember I came back from this program where for a year I was, you know, just surrounded by people trying to get to know God and you're like in this bubble. And then I was thrown into public high school. And I remember being kind of like, whoa, caught off guard at first, you know, like the bathrooms would smell like smoke. I remember during study hall, like the older boys, juniors, seniors talking about really inappropriate things. And I was like, ah, you know, coming into this world at first. But I remember one thing that helped me too is I would just write in like a journal or in a notebook at school whenever I struggled or felt lonely. And I started writing letters too to my future spouse, which I think really helped me. So then those, yeah, I gave them to Jerry after we're blessed. But, you know, I'd be like, I can't wait to walk on the beach and kiss and whatever like so I would like put those urges into writing I guess <laughs> yeah um, I'm more because I guess in the moment you feel like it's gonna be forever you feel like oh my gosh I'm gonna be like this forever when the when this person is gonna come and I know <laughs> yeah it's true it feels like a really long waiting game sometimes yeah, yeah. wow so incredible How do you, after high school and all that process, how do you prepare to get much? Yeah. So for me, I guess I felt, yeah, that it was like a natural next step. Also, my parents are older than usual. I was adopted, so they're quite a bit older. And so they really wanted to help me find a spouse as soon as possible. And at that time, people were getting matched younger too. But so me, after high school, I took a year. I went to Europe STF and did mission work there. And actually, my husband, Jerry, was there as well. He was in his second year. So we got to know each other. Yeah, I met him like once when we were young at some event. And our parents are good friends. Actually, what's interesting is one time his parents are visiting us in Chicago. He's from Minnesota. I'm from Chicago originally. And one time his parents are visiting us and they were talking about how Jerry's older brother was loving Europe STF. And that was our connection. We're like, oh, you know, we already learned about it. And that's why I even went there, which is interesting. <laughs> and then he was there. And during that time, I think, yeah, you know how I had that like moment in uh, Korea, where I was able to really strengthen my faith and everything. But then, you know, your faith goes through ups and downs. And there was also a time towards the end of high school, I was starting to kind of doubt things again. And so for me, my time in Europe was really, again, to work on my, my faith and like confirm my beliefs. And then also, yeah, to prepare myself, like you said, for my future spouse or get more ready. So it was also good because I'm an only child. So I don't know much about guys, I guess. So 
for me, having guy friends in high school and then being living with them and, you know, in Europe was a good experience just to get to know brothers more and see what they're like. But as far as preparing, I think for me, I guess there's two main components. Like one was my own relationship with God and especially the trust component, learning to try to just let things go, lay it in God's hands and trust. The other part, honestly, would be my relationship with my parents. And yeah, just I'm grateful that I always felt growing up too very comfortable and open to talk and share with my parents, especially my mom. We're very close. And so that helped me a lot. And my mom was, she would ask me like, oh, do you have some boys in mind or it was a very open thing where they wanted my input. And it was nice because we really chose to pursue finding someone together. So, you know, we would talk about it together. We'd share ideas together. We would pray together, do conditions. So it's very much like a team effort between my parents and I. Yeah, so we, let's see. So during that time, I wanted to do a second year of STF. My parents really wanted me to come home, go to college and find my spouse. So I did. And I'm glad I did. And during that year, I was in college my first year. And first they went to parents matching convocation and like there was someone potential they thought might work. And, you know, I kind of tried for a little while. We talked, but just we found out our, especially like our bigger life goals and values just didn't match up or align really. So then that ended. And then after that, yeah, I was, we are kind of just like, huh, what should we do? We don't, what should we do next? We're really pursuing it in a sense, which is funny. And then naturally things evolved with my husband. Oh, I guess I'm telling the story if that's okay. <laughs> Sure, yeah. of course. I'm, okay. I'm like, I'm imagining everything in my mind, you know, uh -huh. it's like a whole movie. <laughs> ah. So please go. Okay, okay. Yeah, so actually, Jerio, going back a little bit, when we were on STF, I thought he was great. At one point, I definitely had a crush on him. I loved how he interacted with the little kids I would see at like centers and like his faith, his joy, just different things, right? But actually, at that time, he went to a blessing in Korea where he was matched and blessed while we were on STF. So then I, of course, was like, okay, he's my brother. He's taken, you know, there's that. Anyway, that's more his own story to tell. But in the end, it turned out she wasn't ready, which is a sad, but I guess in the end meant to be. <laughs> in the end, it turned out that she really wasn't ready. And so anyways, they broke that. And it was shortly, anyway, yeah, it was like international and a lot of different things. And but they hadn't like lived together or anything like that. Yeah, it was quite heartbreaking for him, I think. You know, you prepare your whole life and then that happens to you. They came down to Chicago for an event and it was just him and his parents. And we were like, that's interesting. Why is it only him and his parents? Because they have six boys, you know? <laughs> we were in a matching mode a little bit. We're like, huh, okay. And so I had found out that blessing had ended from a friend. So then before they came down, I actually prayed for 40 days that, you know, hey, God, if it's meant to be, just like make it happen. And if not, that I could just see him as a friend and not get set on it. And Jerry always calls it a spiritual trap. <laughs> but anyway, they came down and <laughs> yeah, we were at a weekend church event and they stayed at our house and we just had a really good time. Like our parents, you know, were already close and they appreciated me, his parents and my parents loved him and me and him had a great time just catching up. 
We talked like late into the night and we had just similar passions or both doing youth ministry at the time and just like, yeah, really clicked. So then after that weekend, uh, my parents and I talked and they were like, Anyway, we all felt Jerry would be great. And then we prayed together, my parents and I, for seven days a week. This is a very different at the time how courting or matching went. It was very quick and simple. Basically, then my dad called his dad and then his dad said, oh, we want to pray about it. So then they prayed about it for seven days. So then his dad called my dad back or my family and was like, yeah, we'd like to accept Lena as our daughter-in-law. And that's how it was then. Like, basically, we're a match. We never talked once the whole time. But because I knew him before, you know, I was able to do that. So basically... That's how we were met. I together. love it. It's like, yeah, we would love Lena as a daughter-in-law. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. And then we talked that night, you know, and yeah, I guess I just felt it was all very natural. Like things just kind of happened and flowed. And I just kind of put it in God's hands and just let go and like, you know, I was hoping for it, but also not overthinking it, over questioning it. And like, I think that's one big thing in marriage, just, you know, the mm-hmm. difference of commitment versus always looking for the right person and looking for that compatibility and all that just trusting in that you can grow that together and create that anyway that's a bit of our story but I got to share more about that experience of growing up in purity and then getting into a relationship right and how that worked yeah so just one question Lena how old were you when you got blessed when you got blessed yeah I was 20 and he was 21 Wow. So we are young, we're in college. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, I was 21 as well. So I think, so I know that we're talking about purity, but in relationship of purity, what do you think like it helped the matching process and your marriage and, and everything to work? Isn't it? You save yourself all your life and then they be your husband and say, okay, <laughs> do whatever you want. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's It's funny, like, yeah, and honestly, I know a lot of people that grew up, you know, in the purity movement and like had a hard time, actually, once they were finally allowed to or like be with someone where they didn't know how to relate or they were scared of it or like saw sex as like a shameful thing, which luckily wasn't my case. And I think I credit my parents because even if around me, sometimes there was this more black and white version of purity, like. I felt my parents had a good balance, like in just like their trust in me growing up and allowing me to still have friends that were guys, for instance. So I'd had some encounters with guys in general. But yeah, for us, it just felt like a natural next step and something. I was just super excited about it. I was excited to get intimate. (laughs) And like, there was no issues in our case. Honestly, when I think people, again, have that concept sometimes of when you're pure, you have no experience or you're like, I don't know. But Honestly, if it's like if you're saving up all this excitement and energy, then it, it's just like ready to, you know, pow, like fireworks. I don't know. You're just like ready to <laughs> and you're excited for it. So I guess I'm grateful for having chosen purity for sure. And again, like for anyone that was in physical relationships, I think you can always grow and learn from your experiences. And I think there's always grace and like you can still create a beautiful love story but in my case I'm really grateful that my husband is my only real like I never really dated or had relationships so but it was very natural and yeah just him being able to be kind of my first and almost 
everything. And yeah, we personally didn't really have issues and just it was really exciting. And we chose to wait for 40 days to like have sex, but you know, got to experience everything else in between in the meantime. And yeah, so it was definitely like worth waiting for. And I know some people too would just in general at college or something be like, why are you getting married so young? You're missing life. You're, you know, they like felt like I was going to miss out on all this stuff and make a mistake. But to me, being able to come home to my husband every night and be intimate and be with him and love the person I'm with, like, versus going out to a party and I don't know what, what life I would miss. Like, I was, happy you know I was fine with that choice I relate a lot with that it's like whatever I'm missing is not having with my not being with my husband not the other things (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's your experience but my experience has been like since I'm with my husband I have been grown a lot a lot more I have experienced so much more freedom because I feel like free and and with the foundation of like trying new things and take uh, our Mm -hmm. own decisions and just experience more life more actually done what I was able to do as a single person. Oh, yeah, for sure. And one other big thing people are often scared of in general with relationships is like, they're afraid to lose themselves. You know, that that concept, I'm going to lose myself. But to me, I really felt it was like together, you know, you bring two people together and you gain a whole new world. It's like a new cell phone. (laughs) Yeah. But I love what you shared because for sure you learn through each other, you grow. And I don't think you can ever wait around for the 100% compatible, perfect guy. Like just doesn't happen. And so I felt in our case, like when things lined up and we felt God moving, it it was just like, let's just commit and uh, grow and learn. And marriage isn't like, honestly, our first year is like, we didn't even have a fight till like a year in. And (laughs) Like we had a pretty easy start, but then no marriage is 100% easy. And for sure, we go through our ups and downs and different things that life throws at you. But I'm so grateful. And it's so nice to be able to live in a marriage where, you know, your husband's 100% committed to you and you don't have to worry. Like, of course, there's beautiful people all over the world and we're always going to see beautiful people and have friends and whatever. But just I appreciate the values of the purity beforehand, but then also in marriage where you're really just committed to each other. Yeah. <laughs> you experience purity in a relationship, now in a marriage relationship, when you think like you are committed to your spouse and mm-hmm. you trust each other on each other's decision of purity. Is that right? Is that yeah. what you can say? Yeah, I think so. Because I remember, yeah, like, you know, just in the world, it's honestly, it's so common now. And I understand there's different situations and sometimes divorce, for example, is necessary, but it's so common now like to have lots of step families or, you know, for people to cheat on each other or things like that. And so it's just a blessing to know that the foundation we laid in our lives, though, of course, we might face challenges sometimes or something where I think it really helped lay a good foundation also for our marriage. Yeah, and that we can be there for each other and be open and honest and communicate. And you have this person, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day to just share life with. You don't get bored. Someone asked that once, don't you get bored after time, you know, after all these years? Like, do you ever get bored of each other? And 
honestly, no. And it's very surprising how many you still learn new things about each other all the time. And honestly, as far as purity, so you obviously marriage, you have sex, you don't have to be Mm. pure in that sense, right? You're not waiting anymore. You get and like, you don't get bored because the more you get to know each other, the more beautiful and awesome it gets. Mm. It's exciting and evolving. And yeah. <laughs> That's so nice. So nice. And um, now you have two children, eight and six. Am I right? Close. Yeah. Nine and six. Nine and six. Yeah. And you are in this position with the school of love of uh, helping parents to teach their, their kids about purity. What are some things you have to say about how to encourage purity to our children as our kids yeah so it's a hundred percent value that we both want to pass on to our kids the value of purity and saving sex for marriage because of how much I appreciate it and how much of a difference it made in my own life and yeah with our kids I would say There were good things in how we grew up. And unfortunately, there were some things that maybe weren't the best in the way purity used to be taught. But so for us, we try to focus on, it used to be a lot on like, don't do this, you know, don't touch, don't look, don't do this. Whereas we focus on, well, what should you do? You know, more the principles of creation, God's intention for your life. So we focus a lot on God has this beautiful plan and this amazing husband or wife, you know, in your future, and it's going to be so awesome and great. And like, so what should you do in the meantime versus what shouldn't you do, right? So focusing more on developing yourself and your hobbies. And I guess just we also talk about it naturally and often and try to really promote this like vision or dream for them to look forward to. I think that was one other thing that kept me going. I was always able to during my youth have like a vision of imagining myself being in a happy, blissful future marriage with my spouse. So I think helping instill in that on that excitement towards their future marriage. And then also as parents trying our best to model a good marriage for our own kids. I know for my husband, that was something that really got him through life. Like he faced a lot of challenges in high school, but for him, he said he always wanted to save himself because of how happy his parents were together and how in love they were. And he said, I wanted that, you know? So I think as parents modeling is a big thing and not modeling fakely like modeling for real like you know so if you do have issues working through them and really trying to create the best marriage you can and if you're not happy then figuring it out and you know talking about it and trying to also just sometimes the longer you're married and you're busy and working kids you don't have time for date nights or things so getting creative and trying to make time it's important to do that but yeah definitely modeling it and sure of what true love can be like one day and talking openly is something that we really want to pursue or we do with our own kids and and really helping them not see sex as something shameful and sinful and bad but as some this beautiful amazing gift that god has in store for you that's gonna be so cool one day you know and at the right time it's kind of like a treasure you know that you wait for yeah so that's kind of like the angle we approach it with also a school of love as well like i said we call it pro-sex <laughs> purity or pro-sex absence education because we promote sex as in you are meant to have it with your future spouse and it's beautiful and awesome it's just waiting for it <laughs> Yeah, I think that is really, really important. And because 
many people focus on shouldn't be doing this or shouldn't be doing that. And it is so great to change kind of like the perspective of how to teach, not just about like, oh, that's wrong, but what that can cost to you and what are the other possibilities and how wonderful is the positive aspect, isn't it? And how to see sexuality as something natural and beautiful that yes. comes from God, but it needs to be direct to the right motivation and purpose to experience it in their maximum potential. Yeah. You put it very well. <laughs> and of course, you still try to instill in your children, you know, of course, there's, you try to instill boundaries, or of course, there's like, in a sense, right and wrong, right? And like, you help your kids create that conscience themselves, and you're there for them, and you love them, you're there to, to talk to. And one big thing I've noticed as parents is how we react to what our kids tell us mm. because if they make a mistake and you're just like ah you know like or just angry or upset or right away then they'll be scared to come to you when they make other mistakes or they go through some mm. experience that they're like they don't know how they feel about or they're ashamed of so that's one thing I think from early on with kids just working on our reactions where it's really focused on just listening and mm. always loving first and then taking a breath if you're not in a good place to react at the moment, maybe come back and talk about it the next day or together. But I think that's important because you always want your kids to feel like you're a safe space they can come to and taking those opportunities. One time my son like accidentally swallowed a magnet. <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> scary, but my <laughs> he was fine in the end. But my husband, he was like four or five, like a little older. And my husband took it as a chance to talk to, he felt horrible. Like he felt so scared and bad and like he did a bad thing because it was scary and my husband I wasn't home actually and my husband took the chance to sit with him and soul him tell him it's okay you know must happen and he just took the time to talk about mistakes his own mistakes he might have done as a kid or growing up so like yeah just getting down to our kids level and reminding ourselves what it was like you know when we were kids or teenagers and having that open honest relationship with them and being there of course this could be a whole nother even an interview on how to instill purity values of purity in our kids but I think yeah that's a good start <laughs> mm. yeah well I love that example like I will freak out <laughs> <laughs> and but it's so great to see it in that way even in the small things I never saw it in that way and it's like whoa yeah even in small things that can create the foundation of trust for kids come to you by again so yeah thank you Nina yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> but to close, what is like some of the school of resources that people can use to install this purity on, oh, more than install, encourage purity in their kids? Oh, for sure. Yeah, so it's been in the works for a couple of years now. We've had great writers, awesome people, and actually really proud of our work and our team. You can find most of it online at schooloflove.org. And when you click on the curriculum tab, there's a bunch of lessons and they're divided into themes. And we have different age groups. We have the Sprouts group, which is ages two to six kids, which is more elementary, six to 11. And then we have the youth and the teens. So you can really search and tailor based on like the age or stage of your child, or you can do it based on themes. So we have 12 different themes. So yeah, it's categorized in that way. And at each lesson, 
the teen ones are a little different because they're older, but like with the kids, it's very interactive. And and, well, both of them are very interactive, but there's so much content in each lesson that honestly, you could make it a, you know, a family night and do it regularly. Or you can even take one lesson and spread it out throughout one month and do, you know, one day do the reading together, one day do the questions, one day watch a video, another day do a craft. Like, so it's really there to support the parents for you to use however it works best for you. There's no right or wrong way. Yeah. So right now it's all digital. We've also been doing webinars on our Facebook page. You can find School of Love on Facebook. And we're currently developing a parenting course, which will be coming out soon. Six-week parent course. So that's exciting. And also in the works actually is bringing our curriculum to print. This year is the goal. So it's in process right now being designed. And we're super excited because as much as I'm super digital and always, you know, on digital platforms, and I love the accessibility of having the content right on my phone with my kids. At the same time, it is nice sometimes to just have a book on your shelf (laughs) to pull off and like read with your kids, sit down, go through it. And there's going to be a separate activity workbook for the kids as well. So yeah, we're excited that that'll be coming out soon. I'm so looking forward to see that. And I'm so happy. I'm like, thanks for the merit of the era that I'm going to have the resources to use with my kids. So yeah, yeah, it's been so helpful for our own family, our own kids. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. I think this kind of like efforts and curriculums are changing history so thank you so much for doing all that i think it's gonna be amazing yeah we're super excited to see it come to life (laughs) in print Mm. so thank you so much lina for your time for being honest and sharing your story i learned so many things about it and i hope everyone who's listening here have learned something about it if there's anything that you were touched by please contact us and ask your feedback your comment and if that help us always keep going and research for the the resources of the school of love or join a mom's group soon a dance group if you're interested Mm -hmm. in creating a dance group that we can do it as well so yeah thank you everyone for listening to here other episode of the Finding Podcast. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, Karina. Appreciate it and all you do. And just want to encourage anyone out there, if you're still waiting for your someone special, don't give up. They're out there. They're worth waiting for. You're worth waiting for. And God has a great plan for your life. So yeah, thanks for having me. That's true. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello everybody, Andrew Love here, and I just wanted to add one more point. High Noon is a nonprofit organization, and we are run by donations. And although we've been doing okay thanks to the massive generosity of our founders, the Wolfenbergers, we want to expand higher, 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 higher. We want to make a global impact. We want to reach every family. We want to change the culture. And for that to happen, we're going to need a lot of volunteers and a lot of staff. That's just the reality. It takes money to travel. It takes money to do a lot of the things we do. And we want to let you be a part of this growth. And so what we've created is a donors club, which is a $10 a month club. And when you join, you get a t-shirt mailed to your door. You can get some exclusive content. And we also have some really good goodies for our 
tribe of people who are part of the donors club that we're going to talk about in the coming months. So I just wanted to invite you to be one of these people. Everybody can afford $10 a month. It's just a matter of whether it's a priority. So if you feel high noon has impacted you positively or your family or somebody you know, please consider donating. I don't want you to give any money unless you really, really want to. But if you do want to, I encourage you to really, really donate. So $10 a month is, I don't know, a cat a month. I don't know how to measure it. It's a giant hamburger and french fries a month that you can sacrifice in order to help this world become a more habitable, more enjoyable, more connected, more loving place. So please consider joining our donors club. It's just $10 a month. We look forward to seeing you on the inside of our secret society for donors. Have a good day, everybody.